0: applies to us in our time now facing oppression, even in the times that we see as peace, peaceful, preparing ourselves for the time of the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. First Kings chapter 18, I'm going to read verses 1 to 15. Hear the word of God. After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, And Ahab summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of his palace. Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. While Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them in two caves, fifty in each, and had supplied them with food and water. Ahab had said to Obadiah, go through the land to all the springs and valleys. Maybe we can find some grass to keep the horses and mules alive so we will not have to kill any of our animals. So div- they divided the land they were to cover. Ahab going in one direction and Obadiah in the other. As Obadiah Was walking along, Elijah met him. Obadiah recognized him, bowed down to the ground and said, Is it really you, my lord, Elijah? Yes, he replied. Go tell your master, Elijah is here. What have I done wrong, asked Obadiah, that you are handing your servant over to Ahab, to be put to death. As surely as the Lord your God lives, there is not a nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to look for you. And whenever a nation or a kingdom claimed that you were not there, he made them sway they could not find you. But now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here. I don't know where the Spirit of the Lord may carry you when I leave you. If I go and tell Ahab and he doesn't find you, he will kill me. Yet I, your servant, have worshipped the Lord since my youth. Haven't you heard, my Lord, what I did while Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord? I hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets in two caves, fifteen each. And supplied them with food and water. And now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here. He will kill me. Elijah said, as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve. I will surely present myself to Ahab today. May the name of the Lord be glorified and may he give us give us an understanding of his word. The title of the sermon today is uh, Face the Challenge. Face the Challenge, and it's a subtitle Fear versus Service. And it comes from our reading in First King chapter 18, verses 1 to 18. Face the the challenge. My dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, what triggered the, the series of sermons about Elijah was that sermon on the first day of this year about the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, which I titled, and as you can remember, the glory of the Lord's victory over Antichrist. And the message then from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we concentrated on the victory of Christ but also the difficult times which will precede the coming of our Lord. That sermon then was followed up by one titled Trust God to Do as He Promised, taken from 1 Kings chapter 16 as an introduction to the ministry of Elijah in the face of this fierce opposition of of the godless Ahab and his wife Jezebel. Trust God to do as he promised. So although we might face difficult times ahead of us, trust God to do as he promised. Then it was followed by the sermon of last week to say that live and trust God to provide for you in difficult times. Like Elijah did. The Lord looked after him. He lived with the, the widow. And, and he did mighty things. And the Lord protected him to the point where we understand even today. Although he lived up north in Sidon. Ahab had been looking for him in, in all the, the kingdoms around. And, and he couldn't find him. Why? The Lord protected him. And kept him out of harm's way. Today the Lord takes us to the faithful witness and the challenge to remain faithful even when the situation changes. Which might call for the mode of our service to change in the face of changing circumstances. The Lord then in the beginning of this chapter says, you go and present yourself to Ahab. The time has come. You will face the difficulties of facing Ahab. But Ahab then said, I will present myself to, uh, Elijah said, I will present myself to Ahab. And he adds into this verse, the last we read this morning, as the Lord Almighty lives, I will present myself. It's almost as if he said to Obadiah, you think you fear Ahab? You think that Ahab is a man of power? That's nothing compared to God, the almighty God that I worship. So I will present myself. But we're not looking today at the life of Elijah as much as we would be looking at the life of Obadiah. There are a number of ways of approaching this little interlude before the great events of Mount Carmel. you, You would like to think that there was Elijah. He had disappeared from the scene for about three years. And he's coming back and now he is to face Elijah. And you would think that it would be possible then for the Holy Spirit to lead the one who wrote the Bible to go directly to Mount Carmel. And you might ask now why would the holy spirit allow chapter 1 uh, 18 the first few verses to be in the bible what's the significance of having the story of obadiah there so by the way this obadiah is not the prophet that we have a book of in the in, later in the later in the in the old testament it's it's someone else why is this part included in the bible why did we Why can't we just go directly to the challenge to the king and the challenge to his wife and the gods they worshipped and their priests and the nation to follow the Lord and then kill off the the, the prophets of Baal and have have it all restored? Why then the story of Obadiah in between? I think it is for a specific reason. We are told about Obadiah because of in God's scheme of things, there is a place for Elijah and Obadiah. There is this man of action and it teaches us also about a man of hesitance. Elijah seemed like someone who showed up from nowhere and just as soon disappeared. But Obadiah was there working away in the court of the wicked king Ahab. And it is true, sometimes God needs someone for a big moment, just like Mount Carmel, but sometimes He needs someone to work away quietly, behind the scenes until He calls them for public worship, a uh, public uh, service. These are two very different men of God. One comes unto the scene in, of history in a very dramatic way, living a life that is largely apart from the main action of the drama. The other one has a life of duty to this godless king in times of danger and apostasy. One leaves a record of long, long and great deeds before the Lord. The other is consigned to footnote. In the Bible record. But. Both men of God. Who learn a similar lesson. That God is in control. And his followers who are also faithful. Even. If they are unknown. And their circumstances are unknown. We may not aspire to the Carmel Heights. Of triumph that Elijah experienced. But we are all called to obedience, taking up the opportunity of the moment and transform it into an act of singular obedience and devotion. The history of the church is not full of Elijah's. There were the big names and there were the men and the women the Lord used over, the, over, over many, many years. And they they are examples to us. They are the lights for us to follow. But there are also those who might have died without having their name recorded anyway. And they were equally important in the eyes of the Lord. Looking at the life and the ministry of Obadiah, we see three things, I think. you, You might find more. But let's concentrate on three things. The background of his devotion how his devotion was tested and also how his devotion had its limits. First of all, then the background of his devotion. He was a man of privilege in charge of the palace of the king. He was a devout man since his youth, the Bible tells us. He served the Lord from the early days of his childhood. He says that he worshipped the Lord as a child. And he continued to worship the Lord. He had a long, lifelong devotion to the Lord as recognized and trusted character. And a faithful servant even to the godless king. We don't know exactly where it came from. Maybe he had godly parents. Maybe the Lord had a wonderful way in preparing him for this ministry. But the fact is he was right in the palm of the hand of God. He trusted God and he looked to God for guidance each day, each day and he was elevated to this high uh, 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 service in the court of the king unlike elijah his life was exposed in the close proximity of the royal court whereas elijah had this habit of coming and going what was the tests of his uh, devotion Maybe we can find three ways. Most striking was the fact that he said he cared for the prophets of the Lord. Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. And while Jezebel was killing off the prophets of the Lord, Elijah had taken a hundred of them and hid them in two caves, 50 each. And he had supplied them with food and water. You can just imagine how, how risky this was. He he didn't have food and water of his own. Where did he get it from? He got it out of the pantry of the king. And he had arranged maybe at night time when it's all dark. With someone, you go and you deliver this to the prophets of the Lord. And see that no one follows you. It's a risky business. And that's what he did. And he cared for them. and, And that's a marvelous thing that he did. He did so because he, he believed in the Lord. He was not the Carmel type of demonstration of his, his faith, but he was someone who you could say probably worked in secret. But he he never gave up. He took risks for his faith. This faith was further tested by the everyday demands of Ahab. Obadiah was required to do as Ahab commanded, even though he must have found it difficult. Many believers work against such a background. There was Nicodemus, the Pharisee, uh, and the ruler who came to the Lord at nighttime out of fear for the people. But later he believed in Christ and he stood up for the defense of Christ. But still we think, we get the impression that he did not really understand the full extent of who Christ was. The fact is the Bible does not tell us that he made a public switch to follow Jesus. It reminds us of a word in in John chapter 12, verse 42. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in Christ, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. But there were other people like that. We read in, in 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 the book of Acts, Crispus and Sosthenes. They were rulers of the synagogue in Corinth. But when they were exposed to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, they learned about His salvation, and then they made a public choice and they stepped out of their positions and openly followed Christ. And even and even then. Uh, their homes became the place of worship for those who followed Christ. Obadiah's faith was a lifelong standing. It endured the difficulties of service in the court of Ahab and the consequences of the drought. Now this, this was a man it who was, it was just another king. And in, in, in one way, he would see the godless things that happened in the palace. I think half of us not told what happens in high places like that. We, we wouldn't know. You know the, sometimes the butlers are there, and, they, and their mouth is shut, and their eyes are shut. They're not supposed to see, and not hear, and they're not supposed to tell. But then there was this drought. And this man was supposed to put everything he could into action to counter the effects of drought. Knowing that it came from the Lord. He see himself in this position difficult. He was in a position of prominence and service. But the significant challenge comes when he meets Elijah. It was that test. That almost resulted in the failure of his ministry. Obadiah had a dangerous but a settled ministry. And Elijah's challenge tests his devotion in an altogether new way. It was that challenge that more than anything revealed his limitations of his devotion. Because... First of all, Obadiah's devotion was limited by the responsibilities of his job. Like us, Obadiah had to do as he was told, and the demands of his job often required that he makes decisions without what was good and true in his, in his own mind. And that is sometimes the real situation of, of many, many believers. Many, many Christians find themselves working in an environment where swearing and and cursing and and blasphemy. That's that's hurt every day. You're exposed to this. It's difficult. you, you belong to an organization where you go to and and, and, and when you get there you, you wonder by yourself, what what am I doing here? As a Christian I'm not supposed to be here. And you find it difficult. And yet Sometimes we just can't live in a corner. We have to live in the world, but not love the world. Not every man can have the unique position of an Elijah, where the lines of demarcation are clearly drawn. Elijah, uh, Ahab was known as the enemy, and, and Elijah got out of the way of the enemy. Most of us have to work against the background of misunderstanding and doubt and sometimes downright downright opposition. And we have to weigh up the limiting factors of our employment or situation and we have to respond accordingly. But all of us face a challenge. No doubt. There will be a day, there will be a day that you have to say, this is the line. I cannot overstep this. Obadiah's devotion is limited by his misunderstanding of Elijah's command. Obadiah didn't have a lot of confidence in Elijah's words. You can just picture him and I think the translation there that he found he found Elijah is probably not as strong as it should be. When he then went out with the king in different directions to look for a, for a bit of water for the animals, the Bible tells us, and he found Elijah. Now that found as, as in itself the, some the, the idea of the providence of God. It was not just like, he walked, oh, there was Elijah. It was God put Elijah there, and, El, and, and Badiah was put there. And, and without doubt, it was God's way of putting them together. He found Elijah, and Elijah looked at him, and, and he looked at Elijah. They were surprised to see one another, knowing that God had prepared that moment. And then Elijah looked at him, and he said, go and tell the king, Elijah is here. Well, I can tell the king a lot of other things, but this is not something that I'd like to tell Elijah. I could go back and tell him that I have not found any pasture for the animals. I could go and tell Elijah that I found a brook with a bit of water. I I can tell Elijah a lot of things, but if, if I have the choice... Ahab uh, Elijah I can't tell Ahab this why because he'll kill me I can do a lot of other things I can use my position in the palace to achieve a lot of other things if but, but this is one thing that I that I can't do and then he comes up with a few reasons He says uh I know that the, the, Spirit, the Spirit tells you where to go. And I might go and tell the King Elijah's here. And I come back here and the Spirit's told you to go somewhere else and what then? Uh, it's a bit of a lame excuse, I think. He, he just didn't get it. He didn't understand what Elijah meant by the Almighty God. His devotion was limited by his sense of what. And this is important, and, and I think we can. If you if you forget everything else of this morning's sermon, sermon, just to remember this. Obadiah's devotion was limited by his sense of what he had done, and not by what he should be doing. It's almost as if he said to Elijah, Elijah, can can I just refresh your memory? I did a lot of good things when I could. I looked after these prophets when I could. I put my life on the line when I could. I did all these things. We must understand that what happened in the past was a learning school to prepare us for the future. The past then is not my shelf of good works to justify my unwillingness to tackle the future. The past and what the Lord wanted us to do under those specific circumstances are the building blocks to be better prepared for future obedience. Never can the things I did in the past be treated to excuse me from the future challenges. This happens too much in the church. Look, I've been a Sunday school teacher for years and I've given my energy for the ministry, so don't count on me. When it comes to the new challenges of church life. Now it is true that some of us are getting on on years. And we don't have the energy. And we just don't have the physical strength to do it anymore. But it does not excuse us not to be involved in the challenge. Look, if there's anything you want to do and be involved in the challenge, just pray then. But just Do something. When the excuse to be actively involved in God's work is purely a matter of choice based on the performances of the past, it exposes a selfish dedication looking on opportunities of the past as a way of gaining good standing with the Lord and therefore say, ask someone else. Thank God for the good things you could do in the past. But look at those things as the learning experiences to face the future. The Bible does not know about a past commitment. The Bible looks at what we can do now and what we should be doing now and what we should do tomorrow. So often we live in the past. We celebrate the victories that were. But we hesitate the challenges of the now. Only history will tell us the value of what Obadiah did by saving the lives of those prophets and feeding them. Only history will tell us what Obadiah did, and the choices that he made may be without the knowledge of Ahab, the godless king, that actually helped the ministry of the church of his time. Only history will tell us that. But the interesting thing is, that is not recorded in the Bible. What is recorded in the Bible is the hesitance of Obadiah to take on the challenge and face the challenge as it comes. In relation to Christian service, it isn't what we have done, but what I will do that counts It is what I am busy with when the master of the house returns. There were two groups of virgins, the Bible tells us. One group was prepared and they actually brought more oil along. The other group did not bring oil along. But let's face it, both of them were there. It is not that they were not there. But it, but the matter of the, the 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 thing that really matters is what were they doing when the groom arrived. Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord while Jezebel then was killing off the Lord's prophets he looked after them. But Obadiah can testify to the life of devotion to God. But we remember him for the moment that he was facing the challenge and he didn't take it on. There are the Elijahs and the Obadiahs. Both are called for service Some stand in the front line all the time. Others work in the background all the time. But sometimes God wants us to step out in faith and face the challenge. Our task is not to proclaim the arrival of Elijah. Our our task is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we saw in the last two Sundays, God takes his. We can take God on His word and to do as He promised, and trust Him, even in the face of death. Elijah and Peter and Paul and all the disciples and thousands, many more martyrs in the past stepped stepped up to the to the charge to proclaim Jesus Christ as King and trust them with their lives, even if they had to die, in the process. But there were also others like Obadiah and Nicodemus and Demas, who were hesitant. They look back like the life of Lot, the wife of Lot. And the Lord Jesus says, "If you want to follow me, and you look back, you're not fit for service." Thank God for the opportunities of ministry and work in the past. But face the challenge when it arises. and God will use your testimony and your witness for His glory. Even if it means that you have to lose your standing, your job, your income, trust God. Do we know what this means? I ask myself this question: Do I really know what this means? You put before a challenge. Take on that challenge. Elijah did. It's almost as if he said to Obadiah, well, if you're not going to do it, Obadiah, I will. I have to. And he faced the king in the face of death. Next week, Lord willing, we'll continue the life of Elijah. The title of our sermon then will be Who is the Stirrer and who stirs? Let us pray. Our Lord, we pray that we today will be found faithful in your sight to step up to face the challenges of our life in you, to be light and salt. We are reminded of that verse in the scriptures where it says that if we are ashamed of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of people you will be ashamed of us in the presence of God. So Lord we pray that you will give us the courage we pray that you will give us that faith that would trust even In the face of the impossible. And not only for us here today. We pray for your church. That once again Father that we will stand firm. And that we will not buckle under the pressures of worldliness. In Jesus name. Amen. 476 Jesus Master whose I am Jesus Master whose I am
1: purchase yours alone to by your blood a spotless lamb Shed so willingly for me Let my heart be all your own Let me live for you alone Jesus, Master, I am yours Keep me faithful, keep me near Let your prayers. Shining, in me, oh my home, wait me to cheer, Jesus, Lord, your feet I fall, dear Lord, be my all in all, Jesus, Master, whom I serve, though so feebly and so ill, strength and hand One who owes you more than all, as you will, I will not choose. Only let me hear your call. Jesus made me always be
0: in your service, glad and free. And now the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Amen.